Murphy joining Origin Era for FES. Welcome to For Fuck's Sake, coming to you live and direct for the very first time in the Football Nation radio studios from the Docklands. My name is Jason. I'm your co-host. Joining me in the FNR studios is the man of the people, Buds. Hello and welcome to our very first edition of FES Live. It's usually my uh, favourite day of the week, and this is no exception, but I'm a, I'm a little bit sad about today, Jason. A little bit despondent. I mm. uh, had a really good partnership with you over the last couple of years, and uh, it's going to be sad to see you go, but new beginnings happen, and uh, we were going to go with the cameras this week, and it seems that the uh, the chief <laughs> analyst ran before we decided to turn the cameras off. Yeah, certainly. So long-time listeners of FES will know that the chief analyst, of fuck's sake, Dave... Uh, doesn't quite enjoy the live format and then several times has uh, ran away from the cameras and we've done like the live fo- uh, Facebook uh, pods and things Facebook like that. Facebook Live. We had the Facebook. YouTube channel up for a little bit. Yeah. He was nowhere to be seen. He doesn't so like it. So This is no exception, but um, uh, I'm sure this week's legitimate. Yeah, so the uh, the chief analyst of FES is uh, unfortunately sick. He's uh, he's called in sick. I'm sure it's got nothing to do with the live broadcast, but just in, instead he is quite sick from, uh, from what he said that the boss sent him home. So I assume that uh, he is getting some rest at home currently. Uh, yeah, as you said, Buds, this is my final episode. So whilst it is the uh, dawning of a new era of Vuck's Sake, it is also the beginning or the end of an era for our podcast format and myself as host. Now, we have called in two hosts to continue in my spot uh, moving from uh, from next week forward. And they're in the studio today and they will continue on uh, the FES legacy. I welcome uh, first Rudy Edsel uh, from, uh, you've, you've heard him on many podcasts before on FES, was uh, a host of FES Live back at the Lemon Hotel this time last year. Rudy, welcome to FES and uh, congratulations on the new hosting job, mate. How's it feel? Uh, it feels good. I've, um, I've dreamed about this day ever since, <laughs> <laughs> ever since I first heard the Eddie Current suppression ring intro. And uh, <laughs> I tell you what, it's the name of the show is a bit more of a risk now. We're live and technically subject to broadcast codes. That's true. <laughs> we have been told several times no swearing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, in like big letters, we've been told that in nonsense. We we, we have done our best over the years to eradicate it. Yes. Um, Although it still I've, very much slips in. Yes. Yeah, mm. So we've just got to be extra careful. So first up, first up, having City next, and then next week having mm. played City. It's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the passion, lose the language. Yeah, we are, we are getting a little bit more professional here at FES and someone that's going to really help that uh, move along over the next uh, few weeks as uh, as I depart is FNR's own Josh Parrish, a VUC fan, and you were on a few weeks ago. Welcome aboard uh, officially as an FES host moving forward. I'm honoured. I'm humbled. A long-time fan of the show, so it's fantastic to be a part of it. And uh, I hope I'm not just being selected because, you know, you have access to a radio studio. <laughs> <laughs> You'll let us use it for free. That's fine. We'll, uh, the least we could do is chop you out a, a hosting gig. Uh, Buds, now, obviously, we've got people on FNR who may be listening to, for fuck's sake, for the very first time, the uh, only victory-based fan podcast in the country. The best one in the world. For people that haven't listened to us, uh, maybe give us a, bit back, a background of uh, where we've kind of begun from and uh, I guess as well, the, the very first question anyone asks us when they listen to us for the first time, what the hell is a VUC? Yeah, look, I I think the VUC, the VUC started in, when was it, about 2014? The term VUC, 2013, yeah, yeah, 2014? But- and I originally thought it was from the New Zealand broadcasters when we would play away in Wellington when they would refer to us as the Vuck Tree. 
And then it you, on the old um, MVFC, MVFC.net forums, mm-hmm. um, people that used to line up for the kits and hound the club for kits and were, you know, the first at the gate to get in and, you know, the real hardcore victory fans started getting referred to as Vucks. And then there was the Vuctory mugs, people going, there was the joke yep. about the hardcore fans having their Melbourne Victory coffee cups and things like mm-hmm. that. So the term Vuck just grew into the vernacular. Yeah, I mean, there's a term, uh, a Nuffy fan. It was it was almost a way to, to, to make fun of the, the Nuffy fans amongst uh, fans on the, uh, the, you know, the, the Melbourne Victory forums, the more learned type fans, the, the self-appointed learned fans. Uh, but then it really turned into a, a term of endearment and then uh, somehow it just stuck and applied to the club. And uh, from there, the play on words, uh, Vuk just uh, become Vuk's sake and we've been going for for three and a half years now, pretty much, uh, just coming up yeah. to finishing our fourth full season of A-League action. It's gone beyond the podcast name to people are referring to, I'm going to the Vuck game. Yeah. Did you watch the Vuck last night? We pushed it upon the club and the official A-League Twitter for years to use the term, Mon the Vuck. Yep. Foxtel, Fox Sports now use it. Yeah. The A-League have used it. The club have used it. We bullied the club into getting Daryl Braithwaite live at a, at a gig. They play the horses after the wins. Yeah. There's nothing we can't do. <laughs> what a cultural impact. Now we're live on Football Nation Radio. So we've basically gone from the gutter. Mm. We've gone from boiled lollies to chocolates. It's and the quintessential Drake, isn't it? We started from the bottom. Now, now we're, we're here. So long, long may it continue. Just don't swear. <laughs> Just don't swear. What, what I want to know, Jace, is... Yep. Um, are we going to hang like a Sud T-shirt from the rafters at Amy Park, like when they retire football players, yeah. uh, basketball players' numbers? I, would, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind a nice little Sud T-shirt. Um, I, I will be back though. Uh, I'm hopefully not going forever. Hopefully in the next uh, few years or, or months when I do come back, uh, hopefully I remembered and hopefully it'll be all good. But uh, for, for listeners, I guess, who have been uh, stalwarts of a Vuck's sake and listen to us through the podcast, it's not going to change too much if you get us through your podcast apps and things like that. The, the live show will be recorded live and we'll try and keep the same look and feel to it. The music theme will still be part of the, the post record and things like that. Um, if you're listening live, you'll, you'll hear the FNR ads. But we want to keep the same look and feel to it. I think that FNR gives us the opportunity to uh, expand a little bit with some of the guests we have on and gives us a little bit more legitimacy. I think we've spoken before about uh, it's really difficult to get people, especially notable people, to come and do an interview in a, a share house in Brunswick, especially the, the share house that I was living in. It wasn't too bad, but uh, I think this gives us some uh, some legitimacy and I think that this is a, a great a great step for us and a, and a natural step. I think it's going to be exciting to, to broadcast live and we'll introduce some more things in the future like live call-ins and uh, the, the Facebook live as well. So I think it's a, it's going to be exciting and, and you two boys, Rudy and Josh, you guys will take it on. Um, I guess what's, what's the thing you're looking forward to most? Is it tussling with Dave over uh, anal, anal, analysing games and things like that? Is it, is it tough not to crack sometimes or is it just... Uh, Hanging just, out with me more. Or, or just or... becoming famous at fuck games and having people come up to you and say, are you the guy from the podcast? <laughs> it's a good feeling. I'm, I'm uh, telling you, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm, looking forward, I'm, I'm mostly looking forward to getting to the victory medal and hopefully having someone steal my dessert. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll need an extra ticket this year because you'll have uh, you'll have four people. We'll have you, you two and uh, and Buds and Dave. So mm. yeah, the Victory Medal is a good little uh, a good little sweetener. We used to go Victory 
in business as well. Mm. And that was that was pretty nice. Dave still found a way to get one mm. on his own. Yeah, without us. Yeah. Well. So uh, yeah, the dawning of a new beginning for FES. Although I won't be part of it after today. There is a huge show on the agenda. However, we will be uh, reviewing the Wellington Phoenix game, the one-all draw in Auckland in front of a record crowd in Auckland. Uh, a pretty good spectacle there on Friday evening. We'll be discussing the uh, the A-League in general. Perth has well and truly sewn up the premierships. Uh, we'll discuss that what, what that means for the rest of the season and certainly our uh, intentions and how we manage the rest of the regular season. We'll do a Hakeem update. Uh, he was freed about an hour after we recorded our podcast last week, so we're a little bit late to that, but we'll do a bit of a roundup on that as well. Uh, we'll also discuss some W-League, the grand final, of course, on the weekend in which Sydney FC beat Perth Glory. Ante Milicic was appointed as the Matildas uh, coach today as well. We'll have all the wash up from that. A little bit more on Western United and we'll do a Cascade Honda Instagram update before <laughs> looking ahead to the big match, the Melbourne Derby this Saturday night against Melbourne City. The music theme, well, it's my last week and I love the music theme. I introduced it, I think, the third episode, which was your first episode as um, as a guest. Correct, that's correct. Before you came in as a, as a regular host. And uh, the music theme has been something that's kind of uh, put us ahead of the pack, I'd say, and give us a bit of a point of difference between all the other A-League podcasts and has given us a bit of an identity and personality. So We have flouted many copyright infringement laws along the <laughs> way too. <laughs> Which is something we don't want to do in FNR, but in the post-record we'll, uh, we'll keep that up. So we'll cut to a break from FNR, but uh, in the meantime, in the post-record, we're going to do a music theme of goodbyes. So uh, I literally got in the car today yeah. and turned it on and it was the angels am i ever going to see your face again i thought that was it It was done yeah i think that's a good way to kick it off so let's get into it for the first time from the fnr studios in the docklands you are listening to for fuck's sake site in the amazing brew house in Brunswick East. Their team of experienced and skilled brewers work hard to ensure that you enjoy every mouthful of tasty, delicious craft beer. Doesn't get any fresher than this. Your beer is brewed footsteps from where you're enjoying it. The bar, restaurant and function space big enough for 100 people ensures that you can enjoy a warm, comfy experience for any occasion. Visit the team at 122 Western Street, Brunswick East and give them a follow on Insta at Temple Brewing. Thank you to our sponsors at the Temple Brew House. Now let's talk about the game on Friday evening against Wellington Phoenix, the one-all draw, as mentioned, at uh, Eden Park in Auckland. It was a huge crowd at Eden Park in Auckland. It makes you wonder why don't they just put a professional team in Auckland there? Didn't go so well last time, <laughs> the, the New Zealand Knights. But it was uh, it was a real it was a real weird game. It didn't really do anything for us on on Friday night. Obviously, uh, having lost the the game the week before against Perth Glory, you know, three points was a non negotiable. And if the uh, the Premier's race was done and dusted last week, it was uh, it was definitely done this week. And um, it was just a nothing game. And I think it's at this time just all about working in our main players and, and getting fitness into those guys for the rest of the season. Josh, how did you see the game uh, against Wellington on Friday evening? 
was an interesting one. Uh, I think Mark Rodan probably has the upper hand over Kevin Musket mm. when it comes to preparing teams tactically, but Victory's individual talent tends to square up the ledger, and you've seen three draws between the two sides this season. So if we end up facing Wellington in the final series, I think it's going to be a tight one. But I think it's a different game if Victory have Honda starting the game and Ola Toivonen back in the lineup. And I saw a lot of hate being directed at Kenny Athew online <laughs> from the Vuck fans who, you know, let's be honest, tend to overreact a little bit. But I think that's harsh. I don't think it's his role to be starting games and he is a good impact player. And just wait until those Asian Champions League matches when he's going to be very effective against the defences who don't know how to deal with him. But, yeah, it wasn't his best game. And, and maybe with Ola up front, Victory would have put away a few more of those chances. Last podcast we did that you uh, featured on, you asked me, did I think Kevin Musket had learnt anything from the time beforehand? Because we've played Wellington on the bounce quite mm. quite close together for the three. Do you think he'd learnt anything from the other night? I'm not sure. It was a little bit of a different game. Uh, you saw the two games uh, uh, in Melbourne. Victory had much more of the possession and it was Wellington pressing high up the field and forcing turnovers and counterattacks, whereas at least in the first half of this game, you know, it was Wellington who had a lot of the mm. possession and, and were actually spraying the ball around the field. I thought Sarpreet Singh was absolutely outstanding and you know it was very hard to, to pick up. Uh, but Wellington, until the second half when Honda came on, it was really a game of few chances. And, and when Honda came onto the pitch, it was much more end-to-end, much more open. The lines were stretched. And you can see, you know, he's such a huge impact on the offensive end. But defensively, he's also a little bit of a sieve. So, you know, it wasn't quite the same uh, midfield that, you know, with Les Yotis and, and Bayana in it, you have a lot of more of defensive protection. How good is Lee Broxham? <laughs> How good is having Lee Broxham in our team? Well, he's been playing at centre back for mm. h- however long. Yeah. I move him to left back, just wins a pen straight up, <laughs> no dramas. Great. What a legend! Yeah, the, the Honda and Broxham combo just uh, working a treat at the moment. Now, Josh, uh, uh, that diplomatic response uh, regarding Kenny Athew, uh, as an FES host, you have to go in a little bit harder than that. <laughs> I understand that the uh, the Vuck fans want to overreact, but gee whiz, that was dismal. I'm just waiting. When when Kenny came into the side and he started winning defensive headers, it was like, this guy can be a weapon. This is so good. We've got finally someone that can win defensive headers. I'm still waiting for him to win an offensive header or an attacking header. Just doesn't happen the same. Doesn't I, happen the same. I've been fighting Kenny's corner all weekend on the, um, on the FBS forums mm. because, I mean, there's guys in there saying he's wasted. Like, he doesn't deserve a squad spot. We, the guy's a backup striker in a salary cap league. Like he's not as yeah. good as Ola Toivonen. and I, yeah, he burn, he burned a pretty he burned a pretty good chance. But I, I understand this, right? He, but the the fact is, I, you can you can give him a, enough kind of leeway a little bit that he's paid peanuts. So what do you expect? But he is fluffing some really really easy chances, and that one on one in the first half was unforgivable in my opinion. And uh, you can give him as much leeway and as much time as you want, but it's been it's been a long time now. And I know he had a really good end to the season last year and uh, got, got earned some valuable points, but uh, he hasn't had a great year. And he's he's been given lots of chances because Toy, Toyvin has missed a lot of games this season, a lot of time. So he's been given enough time, in my in my opinion. And maybe he's just better suited as a centre back. <laughs> there were we already lot, have about four of those. So. <laughs> there are a lot of the uh, gifts of uh, Bambi. On ice, yes. which I thought was um, somewhat funny, somewhat unfair, somewhat cruel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the match, it was very, very even statistically. Uh, 
I was very excited for this game. I was at a conference in town. It was 5.35 start. Uh, we were all going to get to the pub together to watch it. The pub was full of Vuck fans. Not a bad bar down at Kicks. And that first half was just such a damn letdown. Mm-hmm. It was such a nothing game. But, I mean, you have a look at the end of it. 49 to 51% possession. 18 shots to 19. Four on target to five on target. Uh, what else do we have? 364 passes to 384, 76 to 74% passing accuracy, uh, 13 corners to 12 corners. There was just not much in it. I did think Wellington were probably a little bit unlucky and had the better chances and probably should have put us to bed. But uh, I did like what I saw from um, Deng was good, LT was great, Brox was great, and the Burundi bomber, yeah. He is just a revelation, and he's uh, he's figured in pretty much the votes for the FES Player of the Year in every single game he's played. That kid is electric. It was Elvis who put that ball through for Athew for the one-on-one chance, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a beautiful pass, and he's just cut out for this level. He's adapted so quickly. I can't believe it. I mean, you know, he's been playing MPL and being an outstanding talent there as well, but, you know, he, he just seems to slot into this formation so easily, considering I didn't think he was really built for it, playing on the mm. left-hand side of a diamond, but he just plays his own way, he plays his own style, and somehow it works. The well, thing is, sometimes nothing just beats enthusiasm, and when you're given a chance, um, seemingly when you, you're probably just working so hard for it for such a long time, and maybe thinking that that chance had passed you by, there's nothing that beats enthusiasm. And, you know, we have seen similar types of enthusiasm when Kenny Athew came in and, and Jai Ingham as well. It's it's all about keeping that burning desire to succeed. And I think he's motivated enough to really solidify his spot within this, uh, within this team. Probably not within the first 11 when we are fit, but certainly as an impact player off the bench as the season progresses. Oh, he'll cause all sorts of headaches coming off the bench. No one wants to deal with that kind of pace in the 75th minute ever. Mm. Um, I was chatting to Chris Allo, who I do the Distraction in the Box podcast with the other night, and he was saying he reckons that Elvis has it in him to be a wing back, really, because of his ability to to get up and back, and he doesn't seem to lose any of that. Um, he doesn't seem to lose any of that dedication. It, like, he's going just as hard in the 80th minute as he is in the first. Uh, he's putting together 90 minutes pretty pretty easily, and yeah, I, I really li- I really like where he's at. Um, he's got a bit of craft about him too. He's mm. just a he looks. Um, he's putting Kenny's struggles into into stark contrast. Put it that way. He's actually been offered a call up by the Burundi national team. Yeah. When we were speaking to him on this very station a few weeks ago, he was saying he's really thinking about it because obviously that would preclude him from playing for Australia if he plays in that Cup of Nations qualifier yeah. that they've you know offered him a call up to. What do you guys think? Should he go with Burundi? Should he maybe stay with us uh, a chance of playing for the Socceroos? I've just looked up the Burundi national football team. Their nickname is the Swallows in the War. So I'd be taking that call up. I'd be absolutely <laughs> be taking that call up. That's way better than the Socceroos. Well. <laughs> when, when is the uh, African Cup of Nations now? It's not every year. It's every anymore. six months, it's, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't want to lose him for the A League season, but um, I don't think they have it in January anymore. They mm. used to, and it used to be a big bugbear of the Premier League teams. I think they've moved it to um, to June, July range, so it wouldn't be a, a problem. It's just the qualifiers that you might lose him for. Certainly. Now, let me ask you, because uh, the results haven't been great in the last few weeks. Uh, scraping by against Central Coast to Mariners, uh, losing to Perth Glory, and then drawing against uh, Wellington Phoenix. Uh, there is... 
one common theme here, and it dates back also to our first two matches of the season, and that's the omission of Orla Toivonen. And now, we spoke a few weeks ago, probably about two or three months ago, about who Victory's most important player was, and it was no question about it. It was Cascade Honda. But do you think that's shifted a little bit? Is Orla Toivonen the most important player for Melbourne Victory? When the question originally came around, I said it was Carl Valeria, and I still think that when we miss Carl in the middle of the park, it's a big one. But as we were talking the other night, we've got Bayana there. We've got, we've got apart from our fullbacks, we've got an understudy that can come in and do a job. We do not have that up for it. We do not have someone that's going to bang the goals away. And uh, Ola Toivonen is now far and away our most important player, I believe. Uh, it's not Ola Toivonen and it's not Kesuke Honda. It's Terry Antonis. Okay. He wasn't playing against Wellington and we really missed his vision right, yeah. and his technique in the middle of midfield. He's a, a rarity in the A-League because he can defend, he can go forward, he can yeah. play pretty much any role. He's filled in at fullback in recent weeks and even done well there. Uh, I think he's such a creative force and victory don't create anywhere near the same amount of chances when he's not in the lineup. I'm, I'm going to have to back uh, Ola as the most important <laughs> player. I, I just think um, I agree with you. He just... The victory, he unlocked the team when he first came in in that round, round three and you just sort of saw that the whole, it ties the room together, really. He just, everything clicks so much more nicely when he mm-hmm. plays. He brings, uh, he brings Costa into the play. He makes, um, he makes the other, the other forwards just look, uh, look better, really. And I mean, Terry, I'm, I'm not debating yeah. that he's absolute quality, mm. but we've got a lot of quality in central midfield. And we've got nothing beyond yeah. Ola, really. Like, we've got Kenny, but, yeah, we've just discussed him. Yeah. That's that's the thing. I mean, Ola is probably contextually more important because Victory don't have the same striking depth. Yeah. Uh, but just returning to the Athew thing for a second, yes. people <laughs> slamming him, would you rather have Kenny or George Howard? Oh, well, no, <laughs> for, for sure. I'd probably take uh, Jesse Macarunas over George <laughs> Howard at this stage as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's... If he put them away, he would be an absolute godsend. He would be a great A-League squad player, but he's just not putting them away. And, you know, he did have a good, you know, end of the season last year, so he's capable of it. I just don't know what is going wrong. Is it purely a mental thing? Is it a lack of coordination? I think it's it's a confidence thing. Mm. Is there many backup strikers in the comp you'd have ahead of him? Like many second-string strikers? For that same kind of cash? Yeah. I always thought uh, Santa Lab, probably on more money, yeah. but just that kind of quality who always got in the goals and you could rely on him to, to shake things up a little bit in that uh, off off the bench role. He's the only one that came to mind first up. Probably me. Wenzel Halls. Oh, yeah, but yeah. He's, he's the number yeah. one now. Yeah, he is yeah. now, but he wasn't earlier, I suppose. Mm. And it's similar coming up from the MPL, you know, probably on similar money. I think that's the only one I'd take ahead of Kenny. Yeah. Certainly. Now, uh, each and every week after the matches on our social media channels, on For Buck's Sake, on Twitter and Facebook, if you're not already a follower, get on there. We put the word out after the games to give us your three, two, one votes for the FBS Player of the Year. And uh, they do vote in droves every week, even after a uh, disappointing loss or a dreadful or dreadful draw. I'm a dreadful. Loss. I was pretty happy coming away. Underwhelming. Yeah. Underwhelming. Uh, but yeah, they are. Uh, they vote in droves. And this week, uh, Elvis Kemsoba gets the three, the three votes. The ever-reliable Lee Broxham gets two, and Lawrence Thomas gets the one vote. Overall, James Teresi is in the lead on 18 votes. Euler Toivonen, 16 votes. Uh, Terry Antonis, 15. Honda, 13. And Tommy Den rounding out the top five on 12 votes. Heard a new rendition of the Elvis Kemsoba chant that I haven't. I haven't been to so many games uh, in the in the recent uh, past, but uh, 
to the tune of uh, Viva Las Vegas. Very, very good one. Oh, in the pub the other night. That mm, was brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. Probably one of the best ever. So, yeah, thanks to each of our listeners for voting. If you haven't already, jump on to the social media channels for fuck's sake on Twitter and Facebook. Melbourne-based studio that produces simple, clever design solutions done with a high level of care and sophistication, specialising in brand identity, development and redevelopment, campaign art direction, typography, illustration and digital. Royal Parade offers a lot of services you'd expect from a large agency without the large agency price tag. So if you need a new club badge, billboard, corporate logo or bar menu, get in touch and find out how Royal Parade can make it happen. Mention FVS for a 10% discount on your first design project. Brand, art, design, thinking, royalparade.com. Thank you to Royal Parade. Now, Josh, uh, you're going to share a distinct honour with Dave as uh, being one of uh, only two people probably to watch as much neutral A-League on this pod. And, uh, you know, things are pretty much done and dusted with the uh, the, the Premier's plate with Perth Glory getting a a 4-0 win against Brisbane Raw on the weekend and, you know, uh, extending their lead at the top of the table to nine points. Uh, it's been a good year for them, and I think that even though we can, you know, bemoan some of the uh, the injuries we've had and the bad luck we've had, the fact is that Perth have been a far superior team this year, and they've only lost is it one game now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been they've they've been the better team all year. As much as we want to say that, you know, we've got the best squad of all time on paper, it's uh, it's pretty much been Perth glory the whole the whole season, and they are probably well deserving of that Premier's plate that's coming to them. Absolutely. Best team in the comp. They've got so much depth and talent up front. And, you know, they've got a really good mix in midfield now. I think Neil Kilkenny, as much as, you know, Vuck fans probably love to hate on him for his uh, post-match whining and so forth, he's a very (laughs) good midfield player, snaps at the heels, creates a lot. And and one day sitting in there alongside him uh, has given that team a lot of balance. Uh, But, you know... Tony Popovich will probably choke in the finals again, so oh. we'll be right. <laughs> Look, it's um, it's it's all about preservation of second place for us now, and the other teams aren't getting the job done either. Adelaide lost, Sydney drew, like City uh, imploding again, fantastic. <laughs> um, we're, I think we'll finish second, and I'd like to go and beat Perth over there. I'd like to go and reckon. I'd, I'd like to... Yeah, you forget how big that second place finish is because it gets you a week off in the first week of finals and to play uh, off for a spot in that grand final. We had to do it the hard way last year, but it'd be certainly nice to get that week off. And there are two teams chasing us in, in Melbourne City and in Sydney FC. I don't think it's done and dusted yet. And I think you know, injuries have got a large part to play in how our season plays out. Do we have faith that nothing nothing's going to pop up between now and then, or possibly towards the end of the year? I'm still not sure. It's it's a huge risk, and what we've done is we've gone out, and we've gotten uh, two players or three actually uh, over the age of thirty, and Niedermeyer, Honda, 
and Toivon, and I'm I'm not too sure they can hold it together. I really hope they can, but I don't know if they can. I I'm not worried about us dropping second spot. Mm-hmm. I, we've we've been average. We haven't really done that much losing. Like yeah. Even in games where we've been pretty bad mm-hmm. against Wellington specifically, a couple of times we've still gotten points, and we and it's just hard to see those other city. I like they. Don't really worry me at all. They seem to—they're not chasing. Absolute, if uh, they are chasing, it's a very forlorn chase. Well, yeah. <laughs> What's, uh, what was that word? Who was the football manager that uh, was called a specialist in failure? Was that Wenger? Wenger. Yeah. yeah right. But, City specialist in failure. They're fine. Don't worry about them. <laughs> um, but Sydney worry me a bit. But uh, I don't. Know. I don't know. A second feels like a fate complete to me. I don't know. I do too. The only two teams in this comp and two managers that worry me are Kurtz Adelaide and Rudan Wellington. They're the only two that I see. I think I think Kev's got Corica done. Yep. Uh, Joyce done, but it's it's those two and their game styles and the way they've mm. sh- they showed the rest of the league the blueprint on how to beat us when we were hot. Mm. So that's that's kind of what I'm concerned about. Kurz doesn't have the cattle though. I can't. I don't think we'll have to play him. You're not worried about Yordi Thomason? No. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not. <laughs> they don't, he just doesn't have the cattle. They, I mean, they can they can put in those kind of performances, but they mm. can't they can't score goals. They, I, I don't know. We're the, se- we're the second best team in it. I and believe so, yeah. yeah I think and look, we, we still haven't been able to get our best on the park. This is the thing. and we're ma- He's managing the squad for ACL, no doubt about it. Yeah. Anita Mai being left out of the ACL squad as well, I think that's mm. probably a very good move. Absolutely. And uh, he should just focus on playing A-League games and getting his body right. Yep. Donnerke being back is a huge in, and I think has allayed a lot of fans' concerns about the back line because it was just Broxham pretty much, you know, trying to play four positions at the same time or yeah. something like that for a while. Well, I think we said he's probably a, a smoky for the victory medal, Lee Broxham, at the end of the year. I Should think, be. I think he'll be right up there just for the, the, the job he's put in and hopefully he's got uh, a little bit of help now heading into the back parts of the season. Uh, Hakeem, uh, we, uh, after recording last week, uh, we're heading back home to... Uh, yeah, after the podcast and uh, reading on Twitter and things like that, that Hakeem had been freed. This was seemingly about two weeks ago when we were recording a, an absolute impossibility that this would actually happen. It seemed like Bahrain had gotten their claws on him and they weren't going to give him back. And uh, this is a great result for all concerned and a great uh, as well uh, testament to the people that put in the work to actually get him free because they, they worked tireless hours and, and, uh, yeah, got him free, and that was uh, just an amazing job all around by everyone. When you say the people, you mean Craig Foster. Craig Foster. <laughs> we all know well, that. he doesn't take the, the full credit for it. He likes no. to pass around the credit. Yeah, he does. And But he put in a, a shift. I said on Twitter he put in a shift that Brett Edmonton would have uh, struggled to keep up with in his prime. Like, he yeah. was absolutely <laughs> a mensch, an absolute mensch. And it, it happened so quickly, like, so bizarrely quickly, didn't it? Because it was like he'd been in chains, and then it was like, well, He'll be there until at least mid-March or something, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's home. Yeah. Like he's on the plane, that, and the next plane home, and he got in, and it it, fair play to him. Thailand had just signed another 90 days or something like that. It was just looking doom and gloom. I'm telling you, the Western Sydney Wanderers took down that Thai Airways sign, and he's free. It's <laughs> the Western Sydney Wanderers. <laughs> nice to have them put back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, on the podcast each week, we do a Keske Honda Instagram update. This man is a marquee man, of course, and we like to see what he is up to and what he's doing. And uh, he's just just you know, consistently at the top of his game from an Instagram standpoint. Buds, do you have the uh, the Instagram update this week at all? Yeah, three days ago, there was uh, another... He looks like he's got a beautiful haircut. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. And he's got, um, he's got a nice button-up 
Uh, number one, it's uh, we'd call that color maybe slate, mm-hmm. and uh, he's on the phone. So there's there's three angles of him on the phone. There's front on with the head down. There's side profile left and side profile left where he's kind of got his chin into his chest, giggling a bit. Hashtag keep. Hashtag going. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he and, thought of when he you know had the the light bulb moment in his head that hey. Nobody in Japan has blonde hair. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. And it's just it's just completely set him apart, hasn't it? <laughs> he's just an absolute fashionista. And, and that earthy tone slate shirt with a uh, high collar, high button collar is mm. uh, very, very impressive. His fashion sense and his photographer, his, uh, his live-in photographer is really, <laughs> really hitting the metrics for him on... Uh, on social media, it's a, a twenty-one thousand like that one. That's poultry for Honda. <laughs> the man he lives in two thousand and thirty-four, doesn't he? He's just fifteen years yeah, ahead of us. He does. Uh, five days ago, he. I am proud of my supporters. They always act politely. I'm grateful for that, and I am also a supporter of you. Hashtag support. Hashtag believe. And he uh, he hasn't featured in any of these videos, but it's just features of people waiting for him at Amy Park. Mm-hmm. And saying how much they love him in Japanese, so yeah. the man's a brand. He's incredible. Yeah. We we did say it when we signed him. We said this is going to be Cahill times a hundred. I I like him though. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the main difference. There's something way more endearing about the constant self promotion from Honda than there is on the Cahill side of things. It's not quite as you know nakedly self serving. Is, is it only because that? Is it only that way because he's? Japanese and just seems like it's a bit of a different type of well, culture. Or I don't. I'm not really sure because I, I feel like, well, he's adored in in Japan by seemingly everyone. I'd like to see if we can track down a, a Cascade Honda hater from Japan and <laughs> the reasons why they would hate him, and if it's a similar to the Tim Cahill kind of dynamic over here. He also did four days ago. This is probably why he's so endearing. He's mm. philosophical. Yeah. He spouts philosophy, and th- this one's from four days ago. Um, hope you like this philosophy. I'm sure it will change something better than now. Hashtag change. What does it, that mean? It's in Japanese, but he's such a good guy, he's put English subtitles up. What a, what a good bloke. He's, just, he's talking about there's no tomorrow. Every day is a different day. Be your best. Suddenly an ordinary day becomes amazing. You can't change your schedule. Think it like this is the last time. <laughs> Just on the Tim Cahill thing briefly, I'd never felt, I never felt completely uh, on board with, I always felt like there was something uh, like an agenda at play with Timmy. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, the Cahill Plus stuff or the Samsung fridge. The but triple deal. With, yeah, yeah, <laughs> triple deal. But with Cascade, it just feels like, um, I don't know, it just feels legit. Like it feels like he's actually passionate about all this stuff. Well, he does that. He'll put three or four of the, these ones in and then there's something about his Cambodian school. Mm. You know he's doing good. Yeah, where's where's Tim Cahill's school for kids who can't play football good? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, victory. Uh, there, there might be one, but tuition would be twenty grand a year. <laughs> I'm like, payable, payable to like a but BSB. That's just his bank account in the Cayman <laughs> Islands. <laughs> Anthony, the board, Fox Sports, everybody, give him another contract. Please keep him. Buy him out. <laughs>
Please. Actually, what is it? The Bahamas that all the, t- the Australian tennis players go to escape yeah, tax? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Leighton Hill can set him up with a nice Airbnb for the weekend. Tim Cahill uh, <laughs> at his uh, soccer school. I'll, I'll sort it out through Tripper Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, now you're the one who uh, gets involved in this. Uh, I think some of our listeners were uh, blown away by your analysis of the Matildas coaching um, saga on the podcast a few weeks ago when you were um, guesting. And actually, by the way, Josh uh, Parrish, he came to my house and I was moving out that night and he helped me move the couch down a flight of stairs. I felt felt so bad, but I needed someone to help me move that couch. So uh, he was a fantastic guest, uh, not only uh, on the airwaves, but certainly off the airwaves as well. But uh, Josh literally helped you move. Do you want to drive in the airport as well? Really Arte Milicic <laughs> was appointed coach of the Matildas through to the 2019 World Cup. Um, so it's mixed emotions on this one. I heard you talking to Dave Davidovich the last hour. He said it was a shrewd signing. Uh, Spencer Pryor, uh, you might remember him from 10 years ago on the uh, Fox Sports coverage. Um, I think he wasn't too happy on Twitter and he's uh, had a history coaching women's football. What are your thoughts on this one, given you've uh, had such an extensive kind of... Uh, deep dive into this one well the women's football people on twitter tend to be a little dismissive of him because he hasn't had experience coaching in the women's game and you know that is a an issue considering he's only got what four months to prepare for a world cup hopefully he does take a you know close attention of the w league has been watching it and and watches the matildas regularly as well uh so that shouldn't be a problem uh, if he's on top of that side of things we have seen male coaches come into the women's game with no experience and do terrifically well tom samani didn't have experience joe montemuro didn't have experience when he took over at melbourne city mm-hmm. uh, there's been countless examples jeff hopkins at, at victory even so if you can coach if you can see the game you know you should be able to coach regardless of the gender of the players on the field I wonder whether this is an FFA cost-cutting measure, though, because he already is in the system, and I don't think he would have demanded as much coin as some of the international options, like Vera Poor, that they were looking at. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a decent interim appointment. He should do well. He's had an extensive apprenticeship under a number of coaches, including as an assistant to Ange Postacoglu, who's coached junior national teams. So, you know, I, I don't think it'll upset the apple cart too much. Just uh, on the... Pay the the cost uh, effective thing. Are they? What's the deal with the stage payout? Have they had to do that? Are they still paying him effectively? Well, we spoke to uh, Phil Moss on this station from Football Coaches Australia, and he alluded to a three month uh, payout clause, which is pretty standard for a lot of coaches in Australia, and they're actually you know trying to advocate for you know, stricter contracts and so forth. So I think you know they've only they haven't paid out his full contract. I think it'll just be a three month payout from what I've gathered, but you right. know, I'm not privy to those details. Uh, just a quick one: W League Grand Finals on the weekend. Sydney FC um, beat Sam Kerr. Yeah, great. And, uh, the Perth Good Glory. Good yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was a really like spectacularly good performance yeah. from them. They denied the ball to, to Kerr. They had a midfielder basically patrolling in front, um, Polias, who was preventing them from passing into the feet. And then you know Alana Kennedy and, and Ralston did a great job of stepping off to not let Kerr in behind. So she was having to drift out wide to find space, and that's not where she can be effective. So. They, they they game plan for it well, and then some of the goals in that game. I don't know if you guys have oh, seen yeah. the highlights. Just wow, bangers left, right, and center. <laughs> Sofia Huerta in the first six minutes, and and Savannah McCaskill, who is an amazing player. Like she's. 
technically on a different level to most of the players in the W League. Isn't and, she though? Yeah. Yeah, and she's going to be pushing for US national team selection as well. So Sydney FC have done a great job with their import signings and always had the talent to do it in the final series. But I still feel very sorry for the Victory Girls who put in an amazing shift this season when no one expected them to do mm. really anything. And, and, you know, finished on top, won the Premier's plate and then got knocked out in heartbreaking circumstances. Hopefully spurs them on for next season. I was a bit flippant earlier about uh, about Sydney winning it, but I can get behind any time Melbourne City's women don't win a uh, competition. <laughs> yeah, they're done dusted now, it seems like. Hopefully. Hopefully no. the, the start of the victory resurgence uh, begins. Hey, Western United um, have been announced as the official name of the Western Melbourne Group expansion. We thought it was going to be Western Athletic this time last week. The colours uh, were, in fact, green and black, which I just I just don't know about green and black going together. Are there any other professional sports teams or football teams? Sassuolo, Gremio. That's better like Yeah, it, just, mm. it doesn't seem like it's a colour that goes together. But I don't know. And I think there was, Milwaukee there was Bucks conjecture as well. This year too. There was conjecture as well as you can't have it too green because of the digital billboards next to the goals oh. on, uh, on TV <laughs> because they'll melt into the green screen. You'll have Harvey Norman printed on their kits. Um, so you can't make it too green. It's, Maybe uh, that's a, a very savvy branding decision yes. that yeah. they've made. <laughs> Wasn't there a claim that the green is for the greenery of the, the suburbs and the black is for the bitumen of the Princess Highway or something? Yeah, yeah that gets you going, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah nothing, nothing uh, really sparks joy like the Princess yeah. Highway. So uh, I think you're mixing up uh, Morris Bassetto's public statement with Paul Mavrudis's tweet, but it was uh, embarrassingly <laughs> similar. <Yeah. laughs> so we had uh, one of our listeners actually send through a, uh, a little bit of a press picture of, um, of our friend. Our friend, our from, friend who our friend shall not be named, shall not be named, on live radio. and uh, it was to be kept under wraps. And we kept it under wraps because we're good guys yeah. and got plenty of scruples, and uh, we knew that that was going to happen. And uh, I just think it's disgusting that they stole uh, Maddie's uh, team eleven colours. Yeah, I think so as well. Just uh, unfortunate for Maddie. I, I would love to get him back on the podcast in the next few weeks, Maddie Winley. As would I. I think he's ready to talk. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, coming up to you know more squad announcements and things mm. like that for Western United, and um, yeah, we'll see how that goes for them. We're going to throw to a, a break now. You're listening to FES on FNR. Floral design, the scene on the block and made for a site located in Color Marine. Ambrosia specialise in weddings, functions, and corporate events. Ambrosia also offer floral workshops which make great gift ideas. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338 3609 or you can contact her online at ambrosiafloraldesigns.com. Mention FVS to receive a discount off your next booking. I sure wish Ambrosia delivered to America because it cost me $180 to get a bloody 
edible, edible flower arrangement sent to San Francisco. And, uh, yeah, I'm starting to think of whether it's less depressing to have to be single on Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was it's quite an expensive. Well, certainly cheaper. That was quite an expensive <laughs> exercise for me. And hello to the darling if you're listening live on FNR for the very first time. Uh, let's look ahead to the game, uh, the big Melbourne derby. These things are always big, no matter what the position on the letters are. Against Melbourne City on Saturday night at the Docklands, 7:50 p.m. There was rumour floating around today that Warren Joyce had been sacked. I don't think there's any confirmation that's come through on that just there's yet. There's been official denials from the club. Official denials. Fact. There you mm. have it. Um, from the newsbreaker, Josh. I reckon the, he's on the thin the, ice? I think he definitely is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't qualify for the Asian Champions League this season, he's definitely out the door. And they can only really do that. They're not going to close this eight-point gap to third. So the only way they can do that is by winning the title. So I, I think you know he's not going to be coaching past this season. Is my personal prediction. That's not based on any inside info, just my read of the situation. Sure. Well, he's still going to be coaching on Saturday night, so we so we think. Uh, they do need to win this, though, if they're going to claw back points on, on victory and uh, potentially get a, a second spot. Um, but, yeah, who, who knows what's going to happen there. How, what are we thinking here? Are we, are we solely depending on Ola Toivonen to be back, or, or can we win this without him? I don't know. City were utterly abysmal against Newcastle the other night which means they will beat us. That is how it always happens. <laughs> they just get up for this game. Uh, someone's written in our notes, it's, it's truly City's grand final, and it absolutely is. This game means more to them than anything. They want more than anything to come and just just do us over. It doesn't, like the rest of the season doesn't matter to them. They, you know, they consider it a success if they knock us off. Yeah, they'll, if they do, or if they get a point, it'll be shirts off, team photo from the rooms up on Insta. Like, that, that's how they roll. That's, that's the mentality of that club. So, look, I, I, I don't really see much. All, all I know is that probably Delat will probably have an okay game. Bratton will probably have his great game of the year that he has against us, and they have Jamie McLaren up front. Apart from that, we've got him covered. So if we do have Toivonen in the mix, then I'll be very, very comfortable that we'll knock them over. Riley McGree, has he been playing regular first-team football yeah, for them? Yeah, he, he gave away... To... I think he gave away... Two go- or like gave away the ball for two of their goals. Yeah. They yeah. He always, came off the bench, in fact. Always yeah. seems to play well against us, so expect him to, to have a big game well, as well. Uh, Antonis comes back, though, for us. That is a massive in, mm. I think, Josh. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think he's key. Uh, hopefully Ola turns out, uh, although he might be coming off the bench, you know, if he's coming yeah. back from injury. The club has been very cautious about injured players this season with good reason considering they've picked up so many, uh, you know, yeah. soft tissue injuries and things. I do think City are a mess at the moment, but it'll be a different kind of game if Victory have the ball because City can actually counterattack uh, if there's space to do so and, and Victory are going to want to dominate you know, uh, the ball as they usually try and do. Whereas against Newcastle away from home, that team was just sitting in, playing on the counter and, and denying space and, and City were just lumping crosses into the box. They couldn't do anything between the lines. So mm. uh, I doubt Musket will change his tactics because he doesn't really change it for anyone. But if Victory really wanted to uh, play against City's strengths, they'll probably sit off in this one. Yeah. Lumping crosses into a, a short Jamie McLaren. That sounds pretty familiar to me. <laughs> I've heard that before. Well, I'm having PTSD flashbacks <laughs> yeah, yeah. to the Asian Cup. Uh, Sydney FC doing much the same thing against Central Coast as well. I mean, they didn't look great. Yeah, well. So final predictions, I'll go to the man of the people first. Look, surely surely Keske's had enough minutes now to warrant a start. Kev can't be that conservative. It's it's too big a game. I think, uh, I think we'll beat them 2-1. 
Rudy. Yeah, my head is very much saying, uh, pointing all signs point to a victory win. I reckon we'll do them 3 1. But I don't know, there's just something in my gut nor on a way saying they'll beat us, they'll beat us. But stuff that. Josh. Yeah, I agree. 2 1 win to the buck. And I'm going to go a 1 1 draw. This is the last week of pessimism. Like From here, it's all Josh. And uh, let's play devil's advocate and say everyone's playing well. And Kenny yeah. Athey deserves a chance. Uh, I'll have one last week of pessimism and I'll say that uh, we're going to draw 1 1. So that's about it for our first edition of FES on FER Live. Um, thanks to the boys for joining us. Just before we go, Jace, I wanted to ask, what's uh, what's been your favourite memory? What's been your favourite thing about uh, your time on FES? Uh, the favourite thing for me is kind of just the access that, that people have given us over the course of the, the few years and being amateur podcasters out of our lounge rooms and, and really relying on people to make the podcast for us, whether it be fans and, and things like that. They've been able to provide uh, equipment to us and give us the opportunity to to do live shows and, and things like that. And just also that the people that have given us their time for free, uh, we've had some huge guests for, for amateur podcasts. And I think my favourite guest that I would have had organising was Les Murray and um, just really nervously approaching Les Murray to be on the podcast and not wanting to tell him the show just in case he gets offended at the play on words and refuses to go on because he thinks it's so amateurish that's completely beneath him but he giving us him his time and and telling us his own story about how he became how he became Les Murray um, started off with very humble beginnings and uh, eventually turned into to the king of Australian football. And to have him on our podcast only about a year before he passed away was uh, was a huge memory, especially growing up and, and idolising him and watching him on TV. So that was probably my favourite memory on For Fuck's Sake. And uh, it's sad to go, but uh, I'll be back maybe one day. Uh, you guys will steady the ship and you guys are going to bring a level of professionalism that... I didn't bring, and I think it'll be a better podcast for that reason. So I think the the VUC analysis will be uh, certainly much better, and uh, I'm I'm excited for what you guys can do with this. Well, Jace, I just want to thank you for uh, starting this thing and being the driving force behind it for for so long, with sometimes limited resources, and and you know getting so many great interviews, and actually providing a place for these kind of fan discussions that. I think we're sorely lacking in in Vuckland, as we now yep. seem to yeah. call it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, hopefully, we can we can do it justice and continue its next chapter here on FNR. And I'm looking forward to having some live interactions with the fan base from from FES, which is so uh, engaged and passionate. Rin lows or draw, as you say. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. There's a reason this is the best uh, piece of independent media about football in the nation, and uh, that's pretty much all your vision. Thanks. Folks. It's been great fun and uh, very proud of what we've all done. And I think uh, what we've done is we've gone from, as you said, um, really humble beginnings to uh, a place where a lot of Melbourne Victory fans come for their news first. Yeah. So I think that's that's been the best thing about this for uh, for the journey so far. Certainly. So <clears throat> for me, it's, uh, it's goodbye, but FES rolls on and uh, the boys will be back in the studio next week. So until then, it's goodbye and... Mon the Vark. Mon. Mon.